Hey, Haley. Yeah, Alyssa? Are you ready to change the narrative around women's sports? Let's do it. You're listening to Haley Chura and Alyssa Gadeski, and this is the Iron Women Podcast, a production from Lip Feisty Media. Haley and Alyssa are longtime professional triathletes and coaches. Between them, they have completed more than 50 iron distance races and just as many 70.3s. Their accomplished careers include nine professional wins and one fastest known time. Haley, do I have to tell the listeners how many of those wins are mine? Nah, we'll keep that between us. The Iron Women podcast has a Patreon community which helps support our podcast. If you love the podcast, check us out at patreon.com forward slash livefeisty. And don't forget to tell a friend. Now, let's get to the show. Alyssa, what do popsicles, jello, and slushies all have in common? Hmm, they all taste like summer? Yes, but also they can all be made with noon hydration sport tabs. I have to say, it seems like the perfect way to fully embrace summer while staying properly hydrated. Agreed. If you want to make your own noon popsicles, jello, or slushies, head to noonlife.com and use the code LIVEFEISTY. That's one word with a capital L and a capital F to get 30% off your order. Also check out Noon's new Podium Series for pre-workout prime, during-workout endurance, and post-workout recover products. That's code LIVEFEISTY at NoonLife.com for 30% off. And be sure to let us know about all your summertime tasty Noon Hydration creations. Triathlon is certainly hard on your skin, without a doubt. That was Teresa Helsel, dermatologist PA and accomplished triathlete. Earlier this year, Teresa came on the podcast to offer skincare advice specific to triathletes. Teresa's two biggest tips were to avoid sunburn and chafing. And luckily, Iron Women podcast listeners get 15% off all Zelio skincare products, including Sun Barrier SPF 45 zinc-based sunscreen and Betwixt Athletic Skin Lubricant and Chamois Cream. Use the code IRONWOMEN at teamzelios.com for 15% off and use Zelio's products to protect your skin during all your swim, bike, run fun. Hi everyone, this is Haley. I'm flying solo this week because as most of you probably know, as I'm recording this, my typical co-host Alyssa Gadeski is in the middle of a fastest known time attempt. She's running the 46 high peaks of the Adirondacks in upstate New York. Alyssa offered some great details about this FKT attempt in last week's show, but she was also kind enough to send me a voicemail just before she started, so I'm going to share that with all of you right now. Hi, Haley. I am so excited to be calling into the future, mostly because you all will be listening to this on Thursday, which hopefully means I am well into my last leg of the journey in the Adirondacks. In case you missed last week, here's the synopsis. On Monday, the 17th, I started a supported attempt, which means I'll have a crew and pacers, for the 46 high peaks in the Adirondacks. The 46 high peaks are the 46 mountains above 4,000 feet in the Adirondacks. About half of these mountains don't have official trails to the summit, so my 150 to 160 mile route with 60,000 feet of vertical will be rugged to say the least. 
The first men's fastest known time for the peaks were set in 2002, but there have been no female attempts yet. This one is extra exciting because a fellow ultra runner, Sarah Kyes, is also going to go for the record. We are starting, I'm pretty sure, about four hours apart, so we should be able to sort things out sometime Thursday or Friday to see who gets the record. My tracking link to follow to see how I've done this week is share.garmin.com forward slash agadeski. And my coach Hilary Biscay will be posting updates as she gets them to at Biscay Coaching and at SmashFestQueen on Instagram. I wanted to also remind you about the fundraising effort I'm doing for this run. I'm raising money for the Payton Institute and Retreat for Writers of Color. When I started to really put this project together last year, I began to read about the area, focusing on a historical perspective. I wanted to know about why the peaks were named what they were. I wanted to read about triumphs and hardships in the mountains. And my favorite part was reading about the women who have hiked before me. Being able to see a part of myself in what I was reading was fueled to my fire to pursue this goal. Given the political turmoil of recent times, I also became inspired to use my small platform as a professional athlete to raise money for a cause. I read about Alice Payton Green and the Payton Institute, and I knew this was the organization that I could dedicate the run to. The Payton Institute sponsors writers of color to come up to a cottage on Lake Champlain during the summer to write in the setting of the Adirondacks. Bringing writers to the Adirondacks is such a profound step to not only getting people of color to experience the beauty of the area, but also to hopefully share what they find through their writing or just word of mouth so that other people of color may be inspired to come to the area. That really connected with me. I know how important seeing yourself represented in an area can be to your desire to be there. So if I can pass that along in a way to make the outdoor space more diverse, then this run will be worthwhile. I have a GoFundMe link and that is up on my Instagram all week. All donations that continue to come in will be entered into a drawing for a $100 Smashfest Queen gift card and any amount helps. So Haley, thanks for giving me the time to send in this lengthy voicemail and thanks for carrying the show this week. I can't wait to tell you all about my adventures next week. I just pulled up Alyssa's tracker at share.garmin.com forward slash agadeski. And while I'm recording this on Tuesday, it does look like Alyssa is making great progress. And the most recent posts on the Biscay Coaching Instagram page say she's in great spirits and moving well. Having known Alyssa as long as I have, I know challenges like this are totally her thing. And even though I'm not super familiar with the route, I'm loving tracking and virtually cheering for her. This is what we need right now. I also just checked her fundraising page and Alyssa has already raised more than $5,500 for the Payton Institute. It's not too late to donate. So if you're interested, you can go to alyssagadeski.com to find that link, support the Payton Institute and be entered to win a Smashfest Queen apparel gift card. In other contest news, our Iron Woman podcast and Zelio skincare contest is in its final week. Write into our mailbag at ironwomenpodcast at gmail.com and tell us what kind of physical challenges you've put together during the pandemic and you'll be entered to win one of three tubes of Zelios Active Recovery Race Relief Gel. This is Zelios Skincare's new menthol-based recovery gel. It's designed to ease pains and even the sorest muscles. You don't have to do a challenge as extreme as Alyssa, but whatever you've been up to that might have left you a little sore, we want to hear about it. So send us an email, ironwomenpodcast at gmail.com. Send that by Sunday, August 23rd, and hopefully we'll be able to announce those winners as part of next week's show. The most exciting part of my week has been Gooder Sunglasses release of a new line of Mach G sunglasses. So this new line is aviator style sunglasses and they come in six different colors. 
I did a virtual try on of all six colors because I can't resist. I posted the photos of myself like virtually trying on these sunglasses to my Instagram page and I solicited a few opinions. Shockingly, everyone thought I looked best in the red pair. I think they're named Captain Blunt's Red Eye and I didn't expect that, but naturally I took my crowdsourced advice to heart. I practiced some pandemic retail therapy and Captain Blunt's Red Eye Mock G Gooder sunglasses are in the mail. If you want to check out any of these new styles or any of the other Gooder sunglass styles yourself, if you go through the gooder.com forward slash feisty website, it does help support the show. So that is G-O-O-D-R.com forward slash F-E-I-S-T-Y. I highly recommend the virtual try-on option. It's a lot of fun. And I also do highly recommend asking people on the internet for their opinion on your virtual try-on options. If you decide to post yourself doing your virtual try-on on social media, you can always tag the Iron Women podcast or me. I'm at Haley Tura 23 on Instagram, and I will give you my honest opinion. And while Alyssa isn't here for the show this week, we were able to pre-record today's interview before she hit the trail. And we had a super fun conversation with triathlete and now adventure racer and reality TV star, Sonia Wick. Many of you might be familiar with Sonia from her days racing as an age group triathlete. She frequently finished near the front of the amateur ranks. She raced in Kona six times, and she even finished on the women's 35 to 39 world championship podium there in 2015. Sonia was one of triathlon's original bloggers, and she had a huge social media and coaching presence, and she walked away from all of that in 2017. Sonia tells us about her transition away from triathlon, how she found a healthier relationship with exercise and sport, and what led her to her latest adventure as a competitor on the world's toughest race, Eco Challenge Fiji, an expedition-length adventure race that was just released as a 10-episode season on Amazon Prime this past week. So we have our conversation with Sonia. We talk all things Eco Challenge. We talk about mental health. We talk about her history in sport. So that full conversation with Sonia Wick is coming up right after the break. The Iron Woman podcast loves Gooder sunglasses. They're made in recklessly fun colors and come in styles that actually look good. My favorite is flamingos on a booze cruise. They have translucent pink frames and teal lenses that add a pop of color to all my workout clothes. Gooder sunglasses are no slip, no bounce, and polarized. I raced in a pair of Gooders at the U.S. Olympic Marathon Trials earlier this year. Gooder is generously offering our listeners nothing, nothing at all. Gooder sunglasses start at only $25 a pair, so no discounts are needed when they're already the most affordable performance shades on the planet. Go to gooder.com forward slash feisty. That's G-O-O-D-R.com forward slash F-E-I-S-T-Y. Check out the Live Feisty curated collection or pick up your own favorites. Look good, run Gooder. Sonia, welcome to the Iron Women podcast. Thank you. I'm super stoked to be here, and I'm really grateful that you ladies were willing to have me on. So we are really excited to have you on today, and I want to start out by telling our listeners that they can find your website and blog at gosonia.com. Your Instagram handle is also gosonia, and it's definitely kind of like your internet 
personality name, I guess. And I've known you for a little while now. And I guess I realized like, I never heard if there's a backstory or like, is this like go Sonia? Or is it like Sonia is always going like always on the move. So I was like, you know, I actually want to like open this up by asking her kind of the origin of how that came about. Yeah, it came straight up from my husband just Whenever he was at races, you know, I started my blog in 2006. I was racing 5Ks and Annie was one. And whenever Troy would come, he's super supporter. He would always yell, go, Sonia. That's like, that's Troy's like moniker. That's what he always yells in this big, booming voice. And so when I was trying to get my website, I was back in the day, like pre-Twitter, pre-Instagram. And it just became a thing. I was just like, go Sonia, like it stuck. So yeah, I've been blogging and hey, I was on Twitter from like day one with go Sonia and I got my Instagram go Sonia. So now it's just, that's me. And we are very excited to be chatting with you this week because in full disclosure, we were recording this right before the premiere of the Eco Challenge Fiji Islands. It's going to be premiering on Amazon Prime on August 14th. This interview will not air until after that premiere. So can you tell us a little bit about what the Eco Challenge is? Because by my understanding, this is kind of a relaunch of an adventure race series that happened in the late 90s. And so what are you allowed to tell us about? I'm trying to make sure we don't get you in trouble here with a super broad question, (laughs) but hopefully you can take it away. Yeah, absolutely. So a little bit about what exactly is this thing? So back in the late 90s, early 2000s, Mark Burnett, who we all know as like the granddaddy executive producer of Survivor, The Voice, The Apprentice, (laughs) he started with Eco Challenge and he was an adventure racer. He went and did a race called the Raid Galois with a whole bunch of Navy SEALs and he loved it and he thought uh, like America will eat this up on television. So he created Eco Challenge in the late 90s, early 2000s. It ran six years, six races, mostly on the Discovery Channel. A lot of people kind of remember seeing it back then because it was one of the only adventurous sort of real life reality TV sports thing that was out there. And it got him his first Emmy. And in 2002, they did the race in Fiji. It was their sixth eco challenge. And then it got discontinued. And he went on to create Survivor and, and go on to his fame. And so people have been bugging him to bring back eco challenge ever since. The sport of adventure racing was kind of born and boomed out of Eco Challenge being on TV. And then people went on to do Primal Quest and more Raid Galois and these big expedition length adventure races um, have still been happening for the last 17 years, but they haven't really been featured on television. So Mark Burnett kept getting asked. And the way I heard it is basically that he said, no, 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 no. And then somehow through the framework, Bear Grylls got sort of looped into it. And he said, well, if we've got Bear Grylls and we can kind of transition this off of me onto Bear or co-produce, I'm in. And so Bear Grylls came on to be the host and they relaunched it as the world's toughest race, Eco Challenge Fiji. So going forward, I think that's what it'll be if we get more seasons of it, which I just kind of have a feeling we're going to. Um, It got picked up by Amazon Prime. So they they backed it back to us and they put out an application and we we applied. And so that's that's kind of the background of the race. But yeah, adventure racing, expedition length, lots of different sports, you know, high, high excitement, high thrill, high injury factor. Uh, That's what the past race had. And they really wanted to bring that back. And Sonia, 
I've always known you as an Iron Woman, right? So how many Ironmans have you finished now? 18. Yeah. So quite a few for our, <laughs> our listeners. So you, you obviously, you were a very seasoned competitor. Did you have like a background in adventure racing or was yeah. this something that you just kind of thought would be fun? Yeah, I, I didn't have any background in adventure racing, not a one day adventure race, much less a 10 day adventure race. In 2017, I kind of ended my Ironman phase. I had started a business, a coaching business that a lot of Ironman athletes know about, and I, tank, I tanked it. I, um, I had like an emotional breakdown and I had to close my business in 2017. And so really from 2017 through the end of 2018, I was for the most part sort of like hiding, licking my wounds, walking my dog on the beach, done with Ironman because I felt like I had kind of burned burned out, but also like burned some bridges through closing my business, super painful. And so I was just meandering and I didn't really know what was next in my life. And I, I, I had been off social media completely and I had this rule that I would go on Facebook once a week for 30 seconds. That was my rule. <laughs> Just 30 seconds. And so I was on my once a week Facebook 30 second binge. And the great thing about that is that Facebook really has to show you what it wants to show you because it now knows like it's big brother. So it knows you're only coming on for 30 seconds a week. So it's really got to like give you a powerful hit. And one of the times I was on, I get through like maybe three posts. One of those posts was eco challenges back. Applications are open. Put a team together and apply. And so I clicked on it and they had a little video with all this footage of the past races. And at the end of the video, it said, this is the race that eats Iron Man for breakfast. <laughs> and I was like, that's me. Like they're calling me out. And I got this huge like light bulb moment. You know, I was in a pretty like low wandering place. And I just knew that minute, like, oh my gosh, that's me that's my next move. Like, I don't have a team and I don't know what I'm doing, but I think I need to do this. So what was this application process like? You had to put together a team. You had to record a video, kind of like, you know, if you're trying to get on Survivor, you had to record a video with your team, kind of answer some questions where they're looking for an angle or a story or whatever. I mean, I just knew I was going to find three other Ironman athletes that didn't know what the heck they were doing that I thought could make it through something like I remembered Eco Challenge being in the past. And um, I was going to apply as like sort of team Iron Man. How do you find teammates like that? Like, did you immediately think of three people? Did you know these people well? Did you train together or anything like that? So I knew I needed a team and I knew I needed I knew I needed a hook, like I, I needed a reason that they would take us. And I used to coach James Lawrence, who's the Iron Cowboy, who did the 50 Ironmans in 50 states in 50 days. And he was the first person I thought of because he wasn't actively doing a ton of Ironmans right now. I wasn't really sure what he was up to. He was one of the people I still had maintained contact with after I had closed my business. So he was still like in my circle. And I just knew like he's super tough after doing 50 and 50 days and 50 days that he could probably get through something that he didn't really know what he was doing, but he'd be tough enough to persevere. So I called James and um, I had watched his documentary recently and he had these two guys that helped him along the way called his wingmen. And I was like, James, let's do this race. Like you've got a million Ironmans. I wanted to be able to say that we had like 
hundreds of Ironmans amongst us, you know, that they would bite on that. So I was like, you bring James with his 90 some odd Ironmans, bring the wingman because they already know how to get along together. And then I would just kind of have to insert into their threesome and let's do this thing. And he agreed. He said he would do it. So then we, I drove to Utah from California the day after Christmas and we filmed our video. And the next day I drove all the way home to California and then we submitted it and they, they went for it. They loved it. <laughs> so you, you didn't have any part of the, the video was step one. So you drove out and did that. This would be the ultimate hook. Yeah. I thought you called us out. I went and put together team Iron Man. Like here we are come like eat us for breakfast. You know, I thought they're not going to want us to finish, but maybe they think we can. I, I don't know. I just knew you called me out. I, I made the team. I brought it to you. Let's do this thing. And yeah, they, they were like, yes. And Sonia, what does expedition length mean? I, like, what were you getting into here? Yeah. So the race, you had 11 days. It's 24 hours a day of racing. Once the, I would say gun goes off, but they actually blew like a big conch shell. So once the like conch shell is blown, off we go. And the race is, if you don't get lost, which of course you get lost, but 417 miles of racing you have got 11 days to finish and the sports include things like uh, stand-up paddleboarding, whitewater rafting, outrigger canoeing, sailing, mountain biking, trekking. Um, we were on like a billy billy raft for a while. Um, we're jumaring up fixed ropes, you know, up waterfalls. So ton of different sports. I'm trying to think there's more. I feel like there's 10 if I count them all. But you're you're going different sports from checkpoint to checkpoint to checkpoint. And the whole race is navigated by map and compass. So there's no electronics. There's no signs. It's here's your maps. Here's your guidebook. It tells you from checkpoint one to checkpoint two, you're going to be paddling your Thaumacau canoe. Um, you check in at checkpoint two and you're paddling over to Ovalau. You check in at another checkpoint. You're doing this big trek to hit these five checkpoints, you know, and so you're stepping your way through the race, like one discipline at a time, navigating your way with map and compass. So did you guys go through, like, they, they tell you the, the sports it could be, I guess. So did you guys yeah. like meet up for a few times and you were yeah. like, I guess we should learn to canoe. Yes. <laughs> Part yeah. of that question I have is, you know, trust is such an important part. So were there times in the leading up to the race that you like felt really instilled the trust in you and your team that you would need to get through a race of that sort, right? Because you don't want to go into that being like, they might make it through, they might not, you know? Yeah, I think all of us didn't know if we'd make it. We had no idea. We hoped and we thought we were maybe tough enough to handle a lot that could come at us. But I, I took that as like, okay, I'm going to prepare in every way possible. And the boys did too. Like the boys really dove in two feet first. We got together five times for five basic training camps. The race required that we get certifications because they aren't going to put anybody in a whitewater rafting boat unless you have a swift water certification. So I had to organize, you know, a three-day swift water certification in Moab with Scott Soleil. All of us met there. We did three days of whitewater. That was like one training camp. And then at night, we would go on like mountain bike at night and try to like put ourselves in these tough situations together so that we could see how we were performing and how our gear was performing and what we did or didn't know. So we did four different training camps leading up to it. And we had 
six months once we found out that we got into the race. We had about six months until race day. So getting those certifications done and rock climbing, all the boys had to learn to rock climb, not rock climb, but um, ascend fixed ropes and rappel down fixed ropes. So we weren't on rock, but we were like jumaring up big, huge fixed lines or rappelling down huge fixed lines. So the guys all had to learn all those rope skills. That was a couple trips. The guy, like the guide we went with that wanted us to come and learn and then go practice for a month and then come back and recertify. So there was sort of a process to getting all these certifications taken care of. And we did all of those as a foursome, like everything we just met and we worked on it together. And that helped develop our sense of like team camaraderie. We had to switch out one person really early on. One of the wingmen ended up not being able to, to do the race. And so we had to pull in um, one of James's friends, Sean, to become kind of our, our next dude. And so he was with us from really certifications onward and, and we were able to get an idea of his personality as well. But yeah, the trust, the trust element, it just had to develop as we did these sessions together and kind of figured out each other's personalities and who gets hungry quicker um, and who's really a powerhouse and who bonks easier. You know, those are all factors that came into it too. Sonia, this, we are recording this before the show airs and uh, we talked to you a little before this came on and you said that it will come out as like a binge worthy series. So everyone can stay up all night, like watching every episode and find out what's happens all at once. But we do want to ask some questions about your personal experience and that may or may not be shown in the broadcast. We understand that. So this is like special insight. So starting off, what was your favorite memory of the race? I mean, it, it's, there's so many moments. We had been on the mountain bike, gosh, what day was it? Probably three-ish. The days really meld together because you don't sleep very much, if at all, only when you're really required to. But I think it was around day three, we uh, we had a lot of rain on the course, about six days of rain. And so everything's pretty muddy, muddy and wet and icky, not just us, but also the course. And we were on this mountain biking section. And I didn't know how to mountain bike, ladies. Like, Uh, we're triathletes. I don't mountain bike. So the mountain biking was always, uh, very tear filled for me. Cause when I get scared, I cry. And so (laughs) there was a lot of tears around the mountain biking. Um, but actually in the race, the mountain biking was great. Like I enjoyed it. I don't know. I didn't cry on the mountain biking, but we had done one section and there's some photos out there. We are covered in mud. I mean, we have mud everywhere. We would climb up things and then like slip back down them. And we got to the finally got to kind of a village and we had gone on all this single track that was just muddy and slippery and we're hike a biking for literally hours and Sean had bonked and we brought him back to life. And for people who don't know what hike a biking is, that's you're literally just walking your bike through, right? Like in your bike shoes. Yeah. yeah like negative it. miles per hour, having to push your everything. Yes. <laughs> Sometimes you're like putting it on your shoulders and your mountain bike's like 30 pounds heavier. Cause it's got 30 pounds of mud on it. Cause that's why you're hike a biking. So it's a physically like demanding thing. It's hot out. It it's sounds crazy. so fun. Like let's go hike a bike, but it's yeah. like, no, <laughs> Nobody enjoys the hike a bike. <laughs> you try to ride some sections, like maybe I you fall off your bike, you know. So we get out of this section. We are mud head to toe. And this village, all the Fijians are waiting there with open arms. They had buckets and scrubbers 
They scrubbed down, they took our bikes, scrubbed down our bikes. The music is playing. They're putting lays over our head. They're playing, they're taking selfies with us. We're like hugging the kids, hugging the people. This lady literally takes a donut. It's like a ball. I don't know. She made it in her Fijian house, this donut and shoves this huge donut in my mouth. I don't, she doesn't even ask. She just shoves it in. And I just remember like 30 minutes prior being in like a pig pen of mud. And then 30 minutes later, we're like hose down. Our bikes are fresh. We've got donuts in our mouth and lays around our neck. And it's all because the Fijian people like carried our teams through across the country. We, whenever we ran into them, it was bula, 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 binaka. Like they just, they love you and they embrace you and they ask you if you need food or water, however they can help. So I think that was probably when I look back, one of those moments that just provided a lot of perspective for me, like we're suffering and they're, they're there for us. They embrace us with open arms. I think that brings up one of the the most interesting to me aspects of adventure racing that you can, you can accept help and aid as you're going through these towns and these people that you're encountering. But like, you know, in a place like Fiji, I guess you're, you're not really sure what that could be like. So that's really awesome. That gave me goosebumps to hear about that encounter. What about one of your more challenging moments of the race? Yep. I will spill the beans on that one. There were, there were quite a few, some on video, some not. Oh, okay. One of the more challenging, the first day and a half of the race, we were on these vessels that they built for us. Fiji's having a lot of trouble with outboard motors ruining the reefs. And so there's a big movement in Fiji right now to get their various communities back into their original way of moving across the water, which is that original wayfinding, sailing way of life. And so they built us 66 thomacows, which are these boats that remind me of Moana. If you've seen the movie Moana, it's a, it's a canoe with an outrigger and then it has a sail. So you can sail it or you can paddle it. And when these things are sailing, they fly, but there was no wind. So we paddled. We paddled for 22 hours. We <laughs> we had a trek in the middle of there where we got to hike for seven hours, but we did 22 hours of paddling. And that was the first like 28 hours of the race was 22 hours of paddling and seven hours of trekking. And I was our steersman. I was the only one who lived by the ocean. So I trained to be a steersman in the outrigger boat and in our thomacow. And I really, if I stopped steering the boat, our boat went in the direction it did not need to go. So even when the boys would take a break, I would always have to be steering. I'd always have to have my hand on my paddle. And what that resulted in is that I did not eat and drink enough through the first day and a half of the race. So when I pulled on, when we pulled onto land and got rid of our thumb I went onto land and I just got a major version of heat stroke and the cameras were there to capture all of it, which was really embarrassing when you're only a day and a half in a race and you think you're about to die. I had crawled underneath a semi truck for a little while trying to like find some shade, but it just kept getting worse and worse. So I had to like crawl in the front of the ambulance to get the AC on me at the advice of the medical director. And I was like, you know, Iron Man, we're like, no, no, no ambulance. Don't, I don't want anything to do with, and she's like, no, I just need to cool you down. Like, I just need to put you in the AC for a second so we can get you back on the course. I was like, okay. So I crawl in and then there's the camera. And then I see him interviewing James and I see him interviewing the medical director. And I'm like, oh no, I've now like detonated a bomb in the middle of this whole like 
peace and love and adventure racing sort of situation. I did get myself out of it and got a ton of fluids down and the boys pumped up my paddleboard, which I found out later was really hard to do. It takes like 25 minutes and is annoying. And they got my bag like loaded up with all new like energy drink and and just kind of like went and took care of me while I took care of myself. But I did get a talking to from James after that about like, dude, you gotta, you gotta do better. You know, you you can't do that. We can't be rolling like this. This is not how we meant to show up in the race. And it was, I needed it. I need to hear that. Is there anything you're nervous about having on TV? I mean, just thinking about that, like having the cameras there does change the dynamic versus if you were just out there on this adventure without cameras. Yeah, big time. And there were 13 teams that were featured in the coverage. So 66 teams raced and 13 teams got selected as featured teams. And we didn't know when the race started that that was how it was, but we were one of the featured teams which we didn't know going in. We didn't really know until we got an embedded cameraman with us, a guy who followed us all the time um, named Chris, who was amazing. So I had been very vulnerable with the producers the whole way through. I had had a mental health event that took me out of the game. I was just honest about what happened with my business failing. I'd had other things in my life that really contributed to that downfall. And I had been honest with the producers. So I kind of knew in the back of my head, once we had an embedded cameraman, I was like, oh, they they might have latched on to that story. And this embedded cameraman is probably going to want me to tell that story at some point during the race. And so I think that's where it took a long time. It was maybe day eight or nine. And we had a big, long overnight trek. And he came up and he's wonderful. Chris, one of my closest friends from Eco, out of this experience. And he said, hey, so what happened? <laughs> and and I told, you know, I told my story to him and I don't know if that will be in the coverage when you're listening to this podcast, maybe you'll know if it is. Um, but just telling, telling my story in that moment in the middle of the race. And then I don't know if that will air or not. It's okay if it does, like I'm ready for it. If it doesn't, that's okay too. I'm, I'm ready for that. But yeah, that's the one thing that's kind of sitting on my shoulders this week as the show airs on Friday, just not knowing how they'll spin our team or what will look like. I don't think it will be bad because we had a lot of fun out there. So if anything, it's going to be fun loving. But yeah, of course, that's on my on my mind. And we I, we actually don't want you to give us the the final ending of the race or okay. how your team did, because I, I would like to incentivize our listeners. I think it's a really cool thing. So um, hopefully people can carve out some time to watch to find out the ultimate ending. But I am interested in finding out, would you be up to, would you do it again? Would you go on the next iteration of Eco Challenge? And would you do it with the same team? Um, the boys will not do it. <laughs> Um, but I am a hundred percent like one. In fact, Haley, Alyssa, would you like to be on my ego challenge team? Oh my gosh. I feel like you already have your foot in the door. So I'm like, I, I am in. Let's do it. Um, I the- could be convinced. I feel like I need to learn how to ride a mountain bike and do a lot of pump up a paddleboard. I need some, I need some major training, but I wouldn't say no. Yeah. We've got nothing but time this year, Haley, to learn some new skills. That's all. I'll be in Bozeman, me and Ramona would road trip and we'll, we'll get some certifications. Yes. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's it. Um, I would love, I would have them back as many times as they would have me. The whole experience was one of the most positive experiences I've had in my entire life. The production crew and the professionalism that they brought. I mean, we were unencumbered the entire race. There was no go ride back up that hill. No. Once that gun went off, 
we were allowed to race totally unencumbered and free, get the most out of ourselves. And they were there to just capture our experiences and tell our stories authentically. And so far, all the coverage I've seen come out, it, even though it looks a little intense because they splice it all together so fast, all of it is really truthful and honest and the, the way things really went down and felt in our hearts. So I'm excited to, to see them tell those stories. It was a really positive experience. And I would uh, I would totally recommend it to anyone trying to push themselves to kind of a higher level of understanding of themselves. Sonia, we've had Dr. Abby Perkis on the show a couple times, and she's a seasoned adventure racer and endurance athlete. She's a Title IX expert, and she's the co-founder of Rootstock Racing, which is an East Coast-based adventure racing company. And we've talked to Abby at length before about why there aren't more women participating in adventure racing. And we're excited to see or here, I guess, about some of the growth that she has mentioned of how, you know, the, the initiatives that they're taking to get more women in adventure racing. So your experience, you come from Ironman and you are no stranger yep. to being kind of a, a minority in terms of gender on a starting line. So do you see similar barriers with adventure racing? Yes, I do. We don't teach girls how to navigate with map and compass. We teach men how to do that. We don't teach girls how to take team leadership responsibility amongst men. Most of these teams are one woman, three men. They have to be co-ed. And just the fact that we don't teach women how to lead men and we don't teach women map and compass is to me like the, t the two, those are the two areas that I really felt like a woman because boys go to Boy Scouts and they pick up maps and compasses and, and men teach their sons these things. But we're just, we're not teaching women the way to navigate. And I was the navigator on our team. And I think I was probably the only, we were the only team that only had one navigator and then that navigator was a woman. I don't, I didn't run into a single other team that only had one navigator and it was a woman. And it was very rare to run into a team that even had a female navigator. But there's something about being the one who knows where you're going that is really empowering inside of a team. So I came away with it thinking, oh my gosh, like, women are so well suited to map and compass work, yet we're not teaching women this. And I would love to teach women it because it's extremely empowering, not just for adventure racing, but if I want to go do the Yosemite high route or the Fifner Traverse, and I don't know map and compass, I'm not safe. And I, I, I need a man who knows map and compass to go do it or another woman. So I think fostering navigational skills is, is an area I came out of the race going, oh my gosh, I've got to teach more women this. A, it's super fun. It opens up the world to you to get off trail and go do really fantastic, awesome things. And we don't have a lot of women who are, who are doing, doing that or being taught that or teaching other women that. So yeah, that, you know, the leadership side of things and then the navigation side of things, I feel are two things in adventure racing that I as a woman could make some good strides on. For sure. I agree with you about the navigational skills. That's a new skill set to me in the last couple of years. And I would say if there are women listening who watch Eco Challenge on Amazon Prime and are like paying attention to that navigational aspect and think that they're interested in it, want to give it a try. There's a lot of local resources. You can write to our mailbag, um, ironwomenpodcast.gmail.com. And I can help you even find like your local activities that you can most of them have like beginner sessions almost on a weekly basis pre-covid i don't know you know we can look into what they're doing now but i agree with you 100 percent that that's like a, a huge place we can start to build women in the sport yeah yep if you know mac of a compass and you know how to navigate you're not afraid to put together a team yep and be a leader and take that leadership role Sonia, i want to switch gears a little bit and you mentioned that in 2017 you had a mental health event 
And first I do, I want to say, I really admire your willingness to put it out in the public space. To be quite honest, like we're in an age when the internet and social media makes it super easy to pretend that everything is great all the time. And getting a little bit more comfortable normalizing the struggles that we all face is a great thing. So oftentimes we've heard stories about mental struggles and athletes who find endurance sports kind of as a way to pull themselves through those struggles. But it doesn't seem like that was really the case for you. And so, of course, correct me if I'm wrong, but it almost seemed like you needed to step away in order to find your peace. And so that must have taken a lot of courage because, you know, we all know how much our me is tied to the identity within triathlon or within whatever sport we're doing. And so, you know, do you encourage people? people who might be struggling to maybe try to set the sport part of it aside? Like, was that part of the healing process for you? Yeah, it, it was a big part. Setting it aside was a big part of the process. My mental health event really came on the backs of having so many people that wanted so many things from me, uh, with a lot of differing opinions. I had set up a coaching company and I had, (laughs) I laugh because I look around and I'm like, where are all the female dominated coaching companies that look like the male coaching companies in triathlon. We've got like the big male at the top with his pyramid of coaches underneath him. Where's the company that's headed by a woman that's got the pyramid of women coaches underneath them. We have all these isolated female coaches all over the industry that are working maybe in tandem with another coach, but I wasn't seeing a situation where we had like a big group of women all working together as a coaching conglomerate. And so I went to build it and, and it killed me. (laughs) What I wasn't ready for was just the emotional load that it took on me from all of the different parties expectations. Um, And then pairing that with a few family issues that I had going on inside that I was kind of running away from and running into business to just try to hide from when all of those competing opinions started to crowd things out, I started having really regular panic attacks. And eventually I had a day where um, my panic attack got so bad I had to go to the emergency room because I couldn't get anything under control and I was hyperventilating. And when I kind of came out of that over the weekend, I just was shattered. I couldn't imagine like looking at my phone or picking up my computer or like everything had just broken into a million pieces. And that was when like the work began. So as I started to unpack all of that, one thing that we unpacked is how much of what we do in endurance sports is a form of self-harm. Um, because as we all attempt to do things to gain control of our life and control of the hard emotional things that are coming at us, a lot of us do use sport to sort of run or um, numb out from facing a lot of those things. And Ironman keeps us busy for like 30 hours a week. So it really doesn't leave you a lot of time to emotionally process. And as we dove into that, I did for for about a year. Uh, every time I exercised, I found myself being like, is this self-harm? Am I self-harming? And I had to kind of go through that in therapy, understanding if I do it for the wrong reasons, it can act as self-harm. And, and then what does good, positive self-care look like? And what does exercise and what does being an endurance athlete look like? like inside of good, positive health care and um, mental health care, emotional health care. And what that really came down to for me was better boundaries and really a spiritual connectedness. Um, I didn't have boundaries and I wasn't connected to any sort of spiritual center inside of myself. We'll call it like the vertical. And so I was kind of running around on the horizontal a lot of times. And, um, and it, 
it it would branch over into self-harm rather than self-care. So that was kind of where I got to in the end. But yeah, I did need to stop numbing and stop filling so much of my time. Um, and I had to be able to back up and ask the question of, is this actually healthy for me? Am I doing this out of a healthful place? And Alyssa, you've always been, some of the talks that we've had in the past, they were really informing for me when we were in Texas together, because I, I was like, man, Alyssa's got it sorted out. Like there, there are some steps in there that I didn't have that you have that I use more for self-harm and you use more for that are coming from a place of positivity, same action, but different intentions. Um, and I think, you know, everyone has to go through that for themselves. But for me, yeah, I had to kind of assume that maybe this was a harming behavior for me to get over to the other side of it all. And then coming back to it now, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a big spiritual practice now a lot more than it ever was. Right. Because as you said, it doesn't mean you have to stop being an athlete because you didn't stop being an athlete. You didn't stop exercising during this time. In fact, I think I've seen photos of you and your daughter backpacking the John Muir Trail together in 2018. And I don't know how old Annie is right now, but I imagine she was fairly young. So you are getting kids in the outdoors. I imagine you're teaching her these navigation skills that you have said you want to teach more women. And so you're like walking the walk. And um, I think even more recently, you may, maybe were in Yosemite. I, I should have, I don't have my phone right in front of me. But so can you tell us a little bit more about, about the self-care way of exercising, including getting your kids in the outdoors and getting young people in the outdoors? Yes. Annie and I, yeah, we hiked the John Muir Trail in 18 days in 2018 when she was 12. And um, then this year we did the Yosemite High Route, which is uh, about 100 mile all off trail, lots of street slopes and boulder fields and map and compass up and over passes, uh, much more technical backpacking trip this summer. And, you know, that really came out of wanting to slow down and uh, not be emboldened to a schedule, but to be in the outdoors and to have adventure. Um, That's what I really landed on more was that Uh, coming at it from a healthy place for me is a lot more about adventure and a lot less about achievement. So it's not so much about finishing the John Muir Trail. It's more about the adventures that happen along the way on the John Muir Trail and the connection that I could have with other people. Uh, I really have stopped training alone. I I do basically zero alone training nowadays. I don't even really call it training. I kind of call up people and invite them out for adventures. So moving into that, I think that's helped my daughter develop and and develop her own sense of what all of this stuff is about and then be able to come and fit inside my world. My daughter couldn't fit inside my world when I was in an achievement world place. You know, she might ride her bike with me while I did half of a long run. And my husband and her always tried to be supportive, but there was no place, there was no space for her to come into it with me until I kind of got right about what's healthy and the adventure side. And once I got out of that achievement place and into that adventure place, and there were so many spaces for her to join me, which she'd always wanted to and identified with. So it was more that when that shift happened, suddenly my daughter was just such a bigger part of going out and having adventures where we could learn things and we could go swimming on, you know, in lakes if we wanted to. There was no outcome aspect to it anymore. It was now just about having fun and learning and enjoying and that and that's how it will stay. That's that's what I'm about from here on out. So whatever, you know, achievements like the world's toughest race come out of that. That's great. But uh, it's never going to be the reason I do things anymore because it's just not healthy for me. 
You are clearly no stranger to big life changes as you have been journeying through your life, career, where you live, sport, etc. What would you tell one of our listeners who might know in their heart of hearts that they need to change something big in their life? Relationships, careers, again, it could be anything, yeah. but it just seems so mon monumental to them right now. Yeah. It's um, with those big monumental life changes, it's so easy to feel like you have to control the process rather than the, I would say, the thing you would hope would happen. I I always say to Annie, don't squeeze the bunny. Like You have to envision what you want for your life. And if you feel the stirrings, whether it be a relationship or a new location, that means something inside of you is lighting up big time. So it is your job to... Uh, be in service to that thing that lit up without trying to control how it comes to fruition. Um, so hold on to, you want to move to California to the beach like I did, hold on to that concept, but don't try to over plan how it's going to happen. Don't have an idea of how it's going to all come around. Like that's the adventure of it all is that you'd really love for this outcome, but the journey and how it unfolds is going to be the really special thing that you couldn't even plan. So don't wait until you have everything sort of figured out or sorted out. Um, just hold that vision loosely in your hand. Don't squeeze the bunny to death and let what needs to happen come to you. Talk about it. Talk with your friends about it, the people that you love about it. Let it light you up and then things will come and they'll fall into place for you. If you can stay in that place of um, trust uh, I found that really fun things happen that you would never, ever uh, hope. And it would it will work out in ways that you would never imagined if you don't control it. That seems like very good advice during these times of extreme uncertainty for everyone right now. But going back to the Eco Challenge, we are super pumped about the show coming out. And in case by the time this airs, someone hasn't seen it, can you tell our listeners how to watch and also about this special project that you have going on for after they've watched it, they need to definitely tune into this. Totally. So you can watch the world's toughest race eco challenge Fiji on Amazon Prime. Um, if you have an Amazon Prime account, you just go on there and Google. It's already up there and you can add it to your watch list. All 10 episodes are going to be dropping on Friday, August 14th. So by the time this airs, it's already going to be up and ready for you to watch. And if you enjoyed the show and you enjoyed some of the people that you got really invested in during the show, then you're going to want to tune in. I am launching what's called the Tales of Toughness podcast, where I interview athletes from the race and we tell their untold stories. Um, so if you want more fun, adventurous stories of what happened to the racers while they were in the race that didn't make the footage... Uh, go ahead and hit up my podcast, Tales of Toughness, and you can get some of those awesome stories. They've been really fun. So people will love them. I'm already like, I'm already 100% into that podcast. I feel like I'm a huge Survivor fan. And I feel like that is like the one piece that really is like missing from a lot of survivors, like those untold tales and stories and stuff. Like that is what I would, I mean, I just make them up in my head for that, but this is like better <laughs> because I can actually hear from the people. So I'm super excited that you're doing that project. And yeah. I cannot wait to watch all of the Ego Challenge on Amazon Prime, August 14th. I will probably be one of the, the binge watchers, but uh, maybe not. I don't know. Maybe I'll try and savor it a little bit. But Sonia, thank you so much for coming on. You know, we are really excited to watch you go on your adventure in Fiji. And um, we'll be listening to your podcast. 
Thank you. Thank you, ladies, for having me. I'm big fans of both of yours. So I was really honored to be on today. And I just love you both dearly. Haley, it only took a global pandemic for me to realize how much I truly appreciated swimming and to make open water swimming something I am actually eager to do. Then you'll be super excited for our new 2020 partnership with Orca Wetsuits. Alyssa, you and our listeners can get 15% off at orca.com with the code IRONWOMEN15. This is meant to be. My first wetsuit I raced in was an Orca wetsuit, actually, so I already know I like them. I've been trying out their swim run wetsuit. Soon I'll have no excuse not to race one of those events. Thanks to Orca for getting us set up to tackle all the open water swim action. Don't forget, that's code IRONWOMEN15 at orca.com. Hey friends, it's Sarah here, founder of Live Feisty Media, and I have some fun news for you. Over the last three months, the Feisty team has been working to increase the world's collective feistiness, and we need your help. On August 21st, the Feisty team is having its official launch and opening to new members. This is your chance to join the feistiest team in endurance sport and stay motivated through this canceled race season. At the Feisty Team, our goal is to help all of our members become the feistiest versions of themselves, not just in sport, but in all areas of our lives. To connect our team members, help them feel empowered to build feistiness in others, and to work together to create social change in our sport. This is a safe place for you to be unapologetically yourself. And by embracing your own unique kind of feisty, we can create a shift to greater overall feistiness in the sports we love. So, we only open for six days from August 21st to 26th. You can sign up for the Feisty Team so you can stay feisty with us. Since talking with Sonia, I have watched the first couple episodes of World's Toughest Race Eco Challenge Fiji, and I cheered when I saw Sonia show up. I think about five minutes into the first episode, I was tearing up about 15 minutes in as some of the athletes shared their stories. Some of them made me emotional, but in a very good and inspiring way. And by the end of the first episode, I was totally hooked and really impressed by the athleticism and teamwork of the competitors. The show features teams of veteran adventure racers, teams of parents and children, teams from all over the world. There's a team with twin sisters from India, an African-American team featuring ultra runner Corey Woltering, a team with three women from Brazil, and so many more. The terrain and the people of Fiji are really highlighted, and it's just super fun to watch. It makes for great trainer entertainment while you're riding the bike. Um, I've also heard of people who watch it while running on the treadmill, so definitely check it out on Amazon Prime. See how things turn out for Sonia and the Iron Cowboy team. And if you want more, Sonia's podcast, The Tales of Toughness, that did just launch this week, so definitely listen in for that as well. Alyssa should be back next week with a recap of her FKT attempt on the 46 high peaks of the Adirondacks. So be sure to tune in for that, as well as the results of our Zelio skincare contest. This has been Haley Chura for the Iron Woman podcast. Thank you for listening, and I will talk to you again soon. You have been listening to the Iron Women podcast hosted by Haley Chura and Alyssa Gadeski. Iron Women is a production of Live Feisty Media and is edited by Taylor Mahan Rudolph. Thank you to our sponsors, Zilio Skincare, Noon Hydration, Form Swim Goggles, and Orca Sportswear. 
as well as the Live Feisty Patreon community. You can find websites and discount codes in our show notes or at ironwomenpodcast.com. 